Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of February 22nd. I'm your host, D. Suave, Derek Kessinger, joined by the editorial staff of Kevin Kovac, Robert Holman, and Kyle McFadden. And fellows, we can put a bow on Speed Weeks 2023. It had plenty of great moments and theatrics, good racing, uh, some guys made some moves, some guys struggled, but that's usually what uh, Speed Weeks is all about. But I wanted to go around the room and hear what is the one takeaway from Speed Weeks. It can be anything. First thing that comes up in your mind, but I got to know, what can you take away from Speed Weeks? Kovac, we'll start with you. You were at Volusia, but what's the one thing you can take away from Florida, Georgia, these first two months of 2023? Well, I think I sort of mentioned this in our Fast Talk uh you know, answers this week, but man, Mark Richards, he knows how to groom a young driver, doesn't he? I think he knows how to select them and groom them. And he knows what he wants in a race car driver, you know, a little bit of some, he likes a young guy, definitely with some experience that he knows he can unlock even more. And I mean, it was like, he showed it at, uh, during speed weeks. Uh, I mean, once he unlocked that, you know, once he got Hudson O'Neill to be like, Hey, you can just go out there and race as hard as you want. There's no doubt that uh, you do not need to hold back anything. You get in that Rocket One car. He wants the driver to be on the gas, on the on the hammer, running as hard as he can. And man, when when I think once Hudson really like got the confidence and uh, to do that, I mean, he was he was. He was superb. I mean, he, what, what a what a performance he did. Wins four of the last three in a row between East Bay and Volusia, and then four of his last seven starts. Comes from 23rd to win the last race. I mean, that doesn't happen very often at all in late model racing anymore, especially in, in the national level event uh, like Volusia is. I mean, that was that was really, really incredible. And uh, I think we really – the testament to there to how hard – uh Hudson was was driving I mean he you could I, I almost felt like I could tell Hudson who Hudson was out there without even looking at the track so I was standing in turn one and you could just hear that car whining like he was on the on the, had the foot to the floor so much and when he was running on the outside of that racetrack and uh his father Don said he'd never seen uh Hudson raced so hard and he also had, and, and Mark Richards also said it just reminded him of Josh Richards and Brandon Shepard in that car and just told him he made the right choice to, to replace Brandon. Yeah. What a great start for Huddy, maybe at the beginning in January, not so much, but they finished strong at speed weeks. Uh, that performance on Saturday night was one that I'll always remember. Cause I was a instant classic. He was passing cars left and right, like they're on jack stands. And he had a funny quote, uh, I think when he got third or fourth to Michael Rigsby, he said, uh, Mark Richards told him after the race, says, you worry about driving, I'll worry about the motors. Basically saying, go all out, blow that thing up. You know, I'll worry about the equipment. You're there to drive and wheel that shit. And he did so much so, Robert Holman, at uh, the finale at Volusia. But what's the one takeaway you got? Is it going to be something different than uh, Hudson O'Neill? I know that's pretty much fresh in our mind, but just looking back out of outside looking in what's your uh, one more thing yeah, to me it's the uh to me it's the parody uh that we have that's what i was going to uh, say you know i mean just you look at back in january we're talking about devin moran 
you know, uh, well, actually, if you go all the way back to Votto, you know, we're talking about uh, 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 the three races that Jonathan Jonathan Davenport won in a row. You know, can can he win six in a row? And then all of a sudden, you go to Speed Weeks. Devin Moran wins two in a row. Oh, can he win five races down here? Well, those were questions that that we were asking ourselves, asking each other here. Uh, can how many races can Devin Moran win? And then the next thing you know, it's it's Ricky Thornton Jr. or you know or any number of drivers who won two or three two or three races. You had Brandon Overton. You had you know Davenport only won one race down there. So to me, it's the it's the parity in the sport that that you saw. It was from one driver to the next, uh, and you're and each time we're like, how many races can this guy win? And then each time someone else stepped up and either stopped the little mini streak or and then of course by the end of the week it's it's hudson o'neill of course you know like i said in the fast talk gets on a heater and uh and is is really really good and and i'm sure if if we were still during speed weeks like we are now uh talking about hudson o'neill we would be asking how many more races can hudson o'neill win down here during speed week so for me it was it's i think like eight drivers won at least one race and uh, and there's four or five that won two races and of course hudson won the most so to me it was the parody uh you, you had guys step up and and run really really well and just across the board that uh i'm sure i left someone out but just across the board that uh that is prevalent at the national level right now if you were old like me you remember the days of going to a race and watching Jeff Purvis and wondering who's going to run second. And then it was, you know, Scott Bloomquist and Billy Moore, you're wondering who was going to run second. And, and we have had our stretches of Davenport show up at a race, you know, in the second half of 2015, who's going to run second, but those stretches, you know, weren't like that really, during speed weeks this year it, it was uh who's going to win because you just you never knew who was going to step up on any given night and win a race and that's to me what made speed weeks kind of exciting this year and you you really weren't weren't sure who was going i don't think anybody had hudson o'neill even though he'd won three races already i don't think hudson o'neill was at the top of the pick list when he started 23rd in the finale i don't think so so to see those guys be able to you know to run the way they did tim mccready was was very consistent to see those guys winning two races also so just the, the parity across the board for me is what it was yeah that's what i was going to say robert the parity my math it's i'm not very good at counting sometimes but i think i had 13 different winners during speed weeks if you count those prelim features on that wednesday night right. at uh volusia so that's a lot of different winners, a lot of guys getting some money, uh, a lot of guys building confidence. We had that Longhorn domination at the beginning, and then Rocket kind of settled in and did their thing. So that's always a thing and a topic of discussion during Florida, Georgia was like, hey, is Rocket dead? Longhorn's dominant. Now is Longhorn dead? So that'll be a, I think that'll be a thing we'll talk about. The fans definitely on social media will be coming at me and uh, doing different things about that. But yeah. A lot of parody so far. Thirteen different winners. That might be that might be a record, but we we'll have to wait and uh, check that out, Kovac. You might have to go uh, let me know through Slack if that's a record of thirteen in one speed weeks. Because that's a lot. Uh, Kyle McFadden, how about you? It feels like you were in Florida like two years ago. How much or how long speed weeks is nowadays? 
It actually was because I remember just now putting in my fast talk that Jonathan Davenport went winless during speed weeks, but I was looking through the schedules and I was there at Bubba's when he won. So I like forgot that he had won during speed weeks, like legitimately. So kind of blushing right now that I forgot that Jonathan Davenport won. But yeah, no, I mean, like for real. Um, yeah, like the parody um, really stuck out to me too, but I, I guess I'll take that a step further or just add to what Robert was saying and the youth or not youth. I don't want to call it youth because, you know, a guy like Ricky Thornton Jr., you know, he's 30, right? Uh, Brandon Overton, you know, he's 30 also. But I think last year we saw Jonathan Davenport, Chris Madden, Tim McCready, you know, the big three in our sport, you know, they – they like dominated the headlines, so to speak. And so to to see names like Hudson O'Neill and Ashton Winger and Ryan Gustin and Bobby Pierce has three wins already this year, right? And and so to see kind of the fresher faces, um, some of these names like Hudson O'Neill, Bobby Pierce, Ryan Gustin, Ashton Winger, who are moving into the prime of their careers, right? All while Tim McCready, you know, Chris Madden, Jonathan Davenport coming off of, you know, you could say those three, their best seasons since coming into late model racing. You know, Chris Madden told me last year was perhaps his best season. Tim McCready, you know, back-to-back championships on the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. And then obviously we all know Jonathan Davenport and what he accomplished. And so you have those three of the highest profile of names coming into this year, right? And then you couple that with what Hudson Hudson O'Neill's doing, you know, Ricky Thornton Jr., you know, his start and and all of our questions and uh, topics of conversation as to is is this his breakout party, right? Is he now the championship favorite uh, on that Lucas Oil series, even though it comes down to that one race at Eldora? And then Ryan Gustin went in that one race, and he's been fast. And then Ashton Winger, too, he's been really fast also, right? And so uh, up on the podium in the top five consistently. So, I mean, it's a log jam right now, right, at the top of our sport. And guys like Brandon Shepard, you know, getting lost in the shuffle. You know, when is Brandon Shepard going to win a race now, right? I mean, he was so good during Speed Weeks last year and, uh, you know, wasn't really all that close to – um, you know, picking up a victory. So just kind of the uh, parody and uh, the shades of that parody, right? Um, as I just mentioned, um, we have the veterans of our sport who are just coming off of, we could say their best seasons collectively. And then we have some of these names like Hudson O'Neill, Bobby Pierce, Ricky Thornton Jr. coming into the primes of their career. So I just find that interesting and, and we'll, we'll see you know, who continues on that upward trajectory. And um, I think personally, our crown jewels this year, even though Florida and the Georgia tracks, they're completely different. As we all know, I I just, I hadn't seen, uh, or this was my first Speed Weeks experience. So, you know, take my words with a grain of salt, so to speak. But the tracks in Florida, you can't compare them, obviously, anywhere else to around the country. So, 
you know, we we have a small sample size as to maybe what we could expect this year. But if there's anything to also take away from speed weeks is that I think I, I don't think we're going to see a dominator this year, like a Jonathan Davenport wins six crown jewels. He's capable of it. But after this week, how can you say that, you know, that's going to happen again, you know, this year? So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to draw back from. And, uh, you know, our sports in a really healthy place right now when it comes to personalities and, and those personalities um, just finding success. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a very exciting 2023 Speed Weeks. It took forever. Me and Robert were hanging out at the Sunshine Nationals like just over a month ago, which was a was a good time there. We got that rain out. We went to Ocean Deck. Kovac, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the racing this year was much, much better in years past. I feel like maybe there was more lead changes. Uh, I also think that we had a lot of closer finishes than usual. Uh, we had that winning pass with Bobby in Overton. We had the Kyle Larson race at uh, Golden Isles that had last second heroics uh i just felt like there was more closer finishes and there was more passes for the lead if you look at the stats todd turner go to dirt on dirt click on statistics is he right or am i right with those stats i'm looking at i mean you said you had some pulled up and what do you think of the racing overall i think the tires had a lot to do with it with comer and goers well i think we we kind of talked about that you were when you had you took off on uh, on saturday night after the race and started heading home with the dirt on dirt van, uh, the flow racing van, I guess that's on it now. Uh, but uh, and then we come back to the house and just were talking a little bit, you know, about all speed weeks. And I, I think it was Ben who said, Ben Shelton goes, I, I feel like maybe like this was collectively like for the entire, from start to finish of speed weeks was as, as quality of racing as there's been. I mean, just from start to finish, um, and, and I, we all were thinking, hey, you know, I, I think it could be right. East Bay was probably maybe like the, I don't know, the weak link in that a little bit this year. The, the racing wasn't, wasn't as good at East Bay as you usually see there. I mean, they had, um, we needed to drive every night like that last night when they, uh, they seemed like they turned the racetrack over for the last night at East Bay. And, and that made that racing better. And it was more of like what you usually expect from there. The other nights weren't quite as, you know, just as wild as you normally see. Volusia was great. I thought Volusia's racing was really good. I mean, compared to last year's, uh, you know, they did the rip the surface off because of that, uh, you know, the new surface they'd put down for Sunshine Nationals was just was not, did not work out. It was so rough. And um, I mean, there was, that, that was just a, a big ordeal with the racing surface evolution this year. I mean, it seemed, it was pretty smooth. I mean, there was some character and some, some nights. It wasn't exactly the same every night, but every pretty much every night was good racing. Even the one that was a little bit less, you know, a little bit, not as wild and crazy. The one where Bobby Pierce beats uh, Brandon Overton, the last lap, it was, still was a last lap pass for the win uh, that everybody remembers. I mean, I know a lot of fans are going to remember that because it was the last thing they saw. Hey, you know, it was, a, it was a buzzer beater kind of day, you know, and uh, and I know Gold Niles was good. Ocala was pretty decent. And so was uh, it was all tech. I mean, all tech had a bunch of lead changes in one of the races, especially. Uh, I think you really couldn't ask for more with with the racing this year. Uh, I mean, other than, you know, a little bit better East Bay. Um, you put it all together. It was really good. I, I, I was really pleased with Speed Weeks. Do we have any stats to back it up, though? 
Kovac, you're muted, buddy. Technical difficulties here. It's all right. We'll keep it going. Sorry. I wasn't expecting to come right back there. Sorry about that, Derek. But so I'm, I'm like, we haven't really been able to, I mean, I don't have that right in front of me, like from all these other come years. On. Um, come on. Come on. There's a lot of stuff here. Jesus. You know, I'm like, you, you get to fly. Ask me that. Of time. Oh my God. You know, um, <laughs> but I, I, there's only, only was two races that the winner came from beyond the second row. I mean, let's not say that there was like the greatest, charges all, all speed weeks uh hudson and leo was the only guy who did it. he did he came from six the first night evolution he obviously 23rd everything else was within the first two rows um and there were flag to flag wins and uh, i mean it wasn't I, I i'm sure there there probably were more lead changes in some other other years uh just you know i mean anecdotal here i'm just just saying but um all right I like it, but it was very good. I mean, I, I just was. thought overall racing, like just some stuff that happened. It, it was good from, uh, from start to finish. Robert, we might just be like blinded. I mean, it was good racing, no doubt, but we might think it's extra phenomenal racing just because last year, all those crown jewels had no lead changes. We had that long streak. A lot of people were complaining because like droop roll and all that. So when you get a treat like this season to start off, like, man, the racing's good. It's back. You hear a lot about that, how people are just so satisfied with the racing. And a lot of people credit the tires, but just being like blinded from last year when it was not as good as, and then you kick off 2023 with some awesome uh, finishes and instant classic races. Yeah. I, I don't think it was the most spectacular speed weeks that we've ever had. Uh, but like, I think like, Kevin was saying from start to finish, when you take the whole body of work, when you take every night into account, it was really, really good. There, there, there weren't any, with the exception of a few of those East Bay races at the beginning, especially when you looked on social media and people were really complaining about the racetrack and stuff. Uh, there weren't any really just terrible races, you know, were there spectacular races? My, my complaint, I guess, about the Hudson O'Neill 23rd to 1st is I wasn't there in person. I didn't get to see him passing all those cars. I'm sitting here watching it, you know, the stream, and they don't show Hudson O'Neill, and it's no no disrespect to to dirt vision <laughs> Rob, I, can i just cut in there one second robert i don't not just when of you're course. saying that too we we barely saw that either really he passed like 10 cars in like the first two or three laps right derek i mean it was unbelievable yeah, i was like was... holy cow i wasn't even i wish i i wish i was like looking at him when he did that too because i i i could I, i'll admit that i didn't see it he was all of a sudden almost in the top 10 when the first caution come out, he was up, to, laps, he was was like, up wow. to 12th on the first caution. Yeah. The first caution came out on like lap four. He was up to 12th granted. But you know, the thing is when you're, when you're watching that race in person, you have the ability to broad spectrum that thing to look at. You can almost see right, the yep. whole track and what happens everywhere as opposed to the first for and it's not like I said, no disrespect uh, disrespect to to Dirt Vision. They were showing the race, and they, they I thought the, their coverage was excellent. Uh, and some well, the battle for the know, lead was great too. Do the same thing. So the, well, it was yeah, it was a good race. Lead, so they're I, like, yeah. There is a time when I, I remember a race one time, and this is goes goes back years ago, uh, two thousand and four. 
I didn't get to go to a race that that I my car, the car I owned was at. Well, the the driver's wife videoed it. And she's videoing she's videoing the race and of course I can see our car come from 14th to win the race. I can see it on the video. But if you listen to the audio, if you listen to the to the people talking about the race, they never mentioned his name until three laps to go when he went from like six to third and then on the last lap went from third to first to win the race. Okay, so oh, it was, it was exciting as hell for me to sit and watch that race. But I guess what I'm getting at is same thing there. The people at that race, if 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 a professional had been videoing that race, they never would have shown our car coming from 14th to first to win the race. So it's obviously better in person, you know? And so when you're there watching it, like you no were, doubt. and you're no there doubt. watching it like Kevin was, it, it's obviously a little more exciting. And this is, I guess, my plug for people to get off their ass and go out to the racetrack, which there were a lot of people there, you know, great crowds, especially at Belusia. Right. And East Bay as well, knowing that, you know, the East, the, the demise of East Bay is imminent. But, you know, uh, so that's my plug to get off your ass and go out and, and, and watch these races in person. Because if you're a Hudson O'Neill fan, if you're a Rocket One fan, it was a hell of a race at the last race. You know, you're because you're watching, you're focused on them. You see all those passes that Hudson's making. You see everything, you know that your drivers do you see everything your drivers doing plus a little bit you know plus everything else but for me sitting here at home watching the stream eh, it was a it was a okay race until till like the last 10 laps and then then all of a sudden they start you know hudson o'neill was coming from seemingly nowhere you know and wins that race so yeah i think the the kind of getting back to what we we're talking about from a watching it from afar speed weeks was from start to finish one of the best that we've had i'm not going to say it's the best ever that we've had because again like you're talking about derek that would take a lot of digging through history but as far as our memories go as far as thinking about it it is from start to finish one of the best we've had for sure was it the most spectacular i, I don't know you know, I don't know if it was because sometimes spectacular moments, three or four spectacular moments during the course of a 15 race deal can outweigh some really turds, you know what I mean? So, uh, so I don't, I don't know if it's the best. I wish we did have numbers to verify numbers to back it up numbers. And I'm sure we can go back and do some research and, and see how many, passes there were how many lead changes there were throughout the, the year to year because uh i think todd does a todd turner does a hell of a job he's already got statistics he does put statistics up on our website after every within usually within three hours of every race the statistics the running not just from that race but the running statistics for all of speed weeks is up on the website he does a great job doing that so I'm sorry, I'm sure somebody, you know, wants to go back and look at those and, and add those up and see how, how I'm not sure how long Todd has been doing those stats, but for a very long time, uh, and, and look and see how many lead changes there have. And if that's your, oh, yeah. 
you know, if that if that's I, what you're I, going I, to judge it by, then you know, what do you got, Kevin? Well, I, I did just I looked real quick at like the last couple years, and <laughs> really, it's not, it was 1.6 average lead changes in Speed Weeks races. Uh, this year, there were 1.6 average lead changes last year. There are 1.9 in 2021. So it's really, that's not, I See, guess you probably, you probably wouldn't use that as the gauge, I guess. You, let, let's say. To, yeah, because like, there could the be one race. Was. Right. Because there, there could be one race in there that there was 10 lead changes that completely mm -hmm. skews that average. You know, whereas mm -hmm. everyone else had 1.5 lead changes. And then there was this one great race that had 10 that blows that average to hell and back. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's hard to gauge it. You know, it's, it's, was it the best for you, Derek, over the last two weeks or two, two, 10 years or whatever, you know, was the last two weeks, the best of the last 10 years, I guess is what I'm trying to say. If it was, then hell yeah, we're doing something right. You know, was it the best speed weeks ever uh, for Kyle? Absolutely. It wasn't, it wasn't oh, it your first, I think Kyle. So, so there you go. Now, was it the best for yeah. Kevin? Kevin's been going since he was in diapers. I don't know if it was the best for Kevin. So, you know, I think it's, it, I think it is just, you know, what sticks out in your mind is, is kind of what determines whether or not it was a great three or four weeks of racing. Yeah, you're right, Robert. Like throughout the years of 10 years, I can remember like just certain years of like one instant classic and some years there's not many instant classics, but I know moving forward, I'll remember the race at Golden Isles that Kyle Larson won. And then I'll remember obviously the Volusia one from 23rd or first, because we don't see that hardly ever in dirt late model racing, especially the last few years to come that deep in the field. So those are two ones that, you know, we'll remember. I remember the Tim McCready, Daryl Lanigan, Billy Moyer race at Volusia. I remember like Mason Ziegler, his big time wins at East Bay. So you remember the big time moments, but I just feel like there's more, there's a couple more big time moments maybe in 2023 than maybe in the last 10 years since I've been going. Uh, shout out to Amber and Kyle Bronson and GIS. I thought the racing there pound for pound for three straight nights was the best since I've been going there since 2014. Uh, obviously, East Bay was a little down. Kyle, uh, there's going to be a lot of arguments, so I think early debate about race of the year between Vado and Volusia the last night. So uh, what'd you, what's your uh, take on the racing so far or at, during Speed Weeks? Because you – you were there for a couple of weeks and then obviously you watched on flow racing and dirt vision. Yeah. I was going to add to Robert's kind of comments too. <clears throat> I think, I think, you know, I appreciate on the whole everything or the, the, the leading driving factors that make us, you know, want to appreciate like when we go in and, and look at um, just kind of, was that impactful? Was that meaningful? Was that memorable? Was that worth my time? Right. You know, watching and, and, and storytelling for us. And so, you know, I mean, there were, you know, a handful of meaningful appreciative moments uh, that, that came from speed weeks, as you just said, Derek, right. I mean, 23rd to first, I, didn't watch that race in real time, but when I got that notification and was going through our website and then I later go back to watch the highlights, it's like 23rd of first, like what? Like, I don't even know when the last time I've seen that and on, on, on that kind of stage with that kind of field, right? You sure like 23rd to first, you know, Brandon Overton and a Southern all-stars race, right? And they, like no offense to, you know, 
the regional drivers that run the Southern All-Stars, you know, series. Uh, that's just an example that comes to mind, right? But 23rd to 1st at a Speed Weeks race at Volusia, the Volusia finale, right? I mean, that I mean that is, uh, you know, as memorable of a race that we're probably going to see perhaps all year. So, of course, it, 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 it will be somewhere in the mix with, you know, race of the year candidate. And then also at Gold Niles too, a finish of the year candidate, you know, with um, Brandon Overton beating uh, Ricky Thornton Jr. back to the line. And uh, you don't see that either, a photo finish. I don't, I can't recall in my many years of attending races, photo finishes coming off turn four like that. Like, I don't. I'm sure I, I've seen some, but right now I can't really think of any one particular race where I've seen a photo finish in person like that. And so, and then Kyle Larson's charge, right? Uh, when he was battling Brandon Overton and Ricky Thornton Jr. Um, on that Friday night, right? Or Thursday? No, Friday night of Golden Isles. So that's another race of the year candidate. And so, I mean, to to have three of them in a, a, a two-week span. Um, and then Vado, right? Like, Vado was spectacular once again. So, I mean, to, to have four races, like four solid, surefire um, races up to this point, February 21st, as we are recording this, um, that we are definitely going to be considering for finish of the year, race of the year candidates. You know, we didn't have four this time last year. We had two, right? And so, um, yeah, I think it, it's – so going back to kind of Robert's comments and then, you know, I mean, how can you not appreciate that? And, um, and of course, you know, we're going to see races that are flag to flag, right, because – are like flag to flag winners and hats off to, to those drivers. You know, if I'm a driver, right, of course, I don't need to say this, but it, it's, I think it just needs to be said, you know, if you put yourself on the pole, right, you've done everything up to that point, fast time, you qualified well, you won your heat race, you know, depends on the series. If, if you, you know, get the draw that you need to, you're on the pole, Lucas Oil series, you know, fast time when when you're heat, you're on the pole, you take care of business in the future, right? So the fast car won the race that night. So, I mean, so just, you know, we're going to see flag to flag wins. We're going to see them, right? So it's just not getting all caught up in that because of the string of races last year during those crown jewels. So, of course, you know, it was refreshing to see that on Saturday. And uh, you guys covered it pretty well there, but just had to add you know, those comments in terms of, you know, what, what can we appreciate from speed weeks? And there were certainly a handful of moments, if not more that I can draw from that. I appreciate it. Callback, just how historic was uh, Hudson O'Neill's 23rd or first run for the world of Outlets. I saw uh Wikipedia mentioned something on it. It was kind of like Shane and Bab-esque at the line. I 100 when he had to start dead last and made that rally. I know he fell short, but, you don't see that many, too many rallies. We saw Ryan Gustin from last at I-80, and then he hit a lap car.
but he finished the job. But I think in the world of outlaw size, that's kind of a kind of one of the farthest deepest runs we've seen in the history of the you know famous national touring series. Yeah, well, let's let's definitely uh, give credit to Brian Walker of Walkopedia for this. Uh, I saw him tweet out. Uh, he's a stat master. He's a, he's definitely a stat man. And uh, as soon as uh, that happened with uh, with O'Neill winning, he said he went down a little rabbit hole and, his, and, and was looking at uh, past races. And I, I know like the the Furton one uh, all tar- biggest charge to a win. Uh, only time a guy's started last in one in a World of Outlaws race was Tim McCready back in 2005, about June of 2005, Dakota State Fair Speedway in uh, Huron, South Dakota. He went from 24th uh, to the lead, took the lead, you know, got, he only led the last two laps. So that was one heck of a performance. Hudson O'Neill, the second biggest charge uh, to win a World of Outlaws race all time. Uh, and, and no one else has come from 20th, from, from further back than 19th. Only two guys have started 20th on back, and that's Hudson and Tim. Uh, McCready uh, there's there's definitely been some charges I mean uh, you could look at like uh, Scott Bloomquist came from 19th to, to win at Cedar Lake uh, USA Nationals one year although that was a lot of attrition in that one too that was a rough wasn't one. he a lap was down a, you know, the people still say after he went into the pits and uh, he came down at the back of the pack came out in the back of the pack and they're saying that he was a lap down but I, I was there and I don't believe that but I know that was uh, that was a big talk. Uh, I mean, you go back. <coughs> Rocket House Car has several uh, of the longest uh, charges. And Josh Richards, Fayetteville in October 2008 started 18th. Josh Richards at Volusia, February 11th 2007 started 17th and won. And uh, and Mark Richards actually referenced that a little bit. He remembered that race uh, that that Josh came from so far back to win uh, when uh, you know after after o'neill did it so uh it, it's it's pretty i think another th- cool thing that Wikipedia found was uh, uh six of the 24 largest charges to a win in series history have come at volusia that's uh and i think that's pretty impressive uh, uh stat just for volusia itself uh um i think everyone i think there's no doubt that the racing was as good there uh as, as anywhere this year during speed weeks probably the best and I know Derek, you love Volusia. I mean, I've always loved Volusia, and when Volusia's right, man, it could be, produce some good racing. Uh, I mean, that cars are going fast on that big ass track, and uh, and, and man, you could you could see some big fighting track. stuff there. It's what it is, right? Lightning fast, you know, and and uh, it is a big ass track. Yep, and it was good. I mean, I, I'm still. I loved our, my spot. I, I sat there and watched every race, stood there and watched every race from the top that like little, uh, you know, little VIP trailer, whatever the, whatever it is that world racing group has in turn one. And that was one heck of a, that's a good vantage point because I mean, it just seemed guys were going into those first corners, first and second corner harder than in, in past years, especially last year with the, how rough it was. And man, it, it, it was, it was exciting. Uh, that's, like Robert talks about being there for the race that you don't grasp everything from a, from the broadcast. I mean, that right there is, is one thing that you could, it made it so much better to be there because those guys were on the hammer, especially Hudson O'Neill. And, and, and it was, it was just, it, it got you excited about a race. You could tell something was going on good the way those guys were racing at Volusia this year. And, and, and those stats there with the, the charge makes it a, uh, 
you know, puts it in a historic perspective too. And how good the racing is, was at Volusia. They had two different divisions and both divisions had like last lap passes, late race drama, both nights. I think, uh, Thursday night. Yeah. Thursday night, they had a last lap pass in both, both divisions. Saturday night, the big blocks had a last lap pass. And then obviously Hudson O'Neill got the lead with about round five to go. Robert, we're talking about the racing. We talked about what's the one thing we remember. We're talking about the good. Hudson O'Neill, Brandon Overton, all these guys winning. But is there some guys that might need to hit the panic button? Uh, I know guys that come up to mind right away is like Jimmy Owens and Brandon Shepard. Or can we just be like, okay, relax. Jonathan Davenport, he never ran speed weeks. It's completely different than the rest of the year. But a lot of people are talking, is it time to hit the panic button on some of these guys that didn't have a good run? Or if you're a guy like Max Blair, who had some great runs and was pretty solid, can you feed off that or you just got to keep the same mindset saying, okay, it's Florida. It doesn't really matter the rest of the season. I've always said that. And I think we've, we've typically come to an, uh, an agreement that speed weeks is a completely different animal and whatever happens during speed weeks isn't necessarily what's going to happen. It, it can be a good barometer of, of the points racing coming out of there uh, in terms of what's going to happen down the stretch. But as far as an individual driver, I don't think it's a huge, great barometer to, to say this is how your season is going to go. Uh, and I, I definitely would say if you didn't do well at Speed Weeks, that that's your mindset. I don't think you're going to come from Florida thinking we suck. We've got, you know, a lot of work to do. Now, there, there might be guys who, who feel that way, who feel like, you know, we had a we got a lot of work to do. And we've got to get, you know, our, our stuff turned around or whatever. But you have to keep in mind that those tracks down there are just different. And realistically, every track that uh, if you're on a tour, a national tour, every track that you're headed to is a little bit different. And, you know, sometimes you're better at some and worse at others. And it's just the nature of, the, of our sport. Now, one thing that I don't think any national touring driver should ne necessarily hit the panic button just yet is because of the way the points for both tours are done during speed weeks. I don't have it right in front of me, but I know I don't like it. I know that you don't count all your races. You only count, I think maybe Lucas only counts like the best five finishes uh, of, of, your races down there. I mean, come on, your best five, you go down there and have five good finishes, then, you know, then you, you do look like, you know, like you're terrible over the rest of them. People are going to remember the terrible part. Then they look at the points. And you're like, how in the hell is this guy in the top five in points? So I don't like the way the points are distributed down there. I don't like the way either series distributes their points and does their points racing. And, and because to me, it's a crutch. Uh, it does give drivers a huge break for not running well to me. You can go to speed weeks and really be bad and not leave there too far behind if you just had two or three decent nights, you know. Um, but as far as guys hitting the panic button just yet, I don't think Brandon Shepard needs to. He wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible. I think that he is uh, of the, uh, I guess, of the top, 
six or seven guys in the Longhorn camp right now. He's probably towards the bottom of those. You know, I think he just needs. Uh, he's going to find it. He's going to find what he likes about that car, and I think he's going to be okay. Uh, definitely a guy like you know Tim McCready, who is great and is was as consistent as he was, is leaving Florida in great shape. But I I think that he's probably going to be looking over his shoulder saying, hey, we're in great shape, but, you know, J.D. didn't run very well, you know. So so what's, you know, I just don't think that you can take what happened in Florida and compare it to the rest of the season. I just think it's a throwaway. I think if you go down there, you're leaving there with confidence. You're going back home thinking we ran good. Here's our great notes. This is what happens when the car, when the when, when a racetrack does this and we make a change. This is what happens when the racetrack is like this and we don't make a change and our, our car, you know, pushes plum to the wall. This is what happens. I think little things like that carry over. But, you know, I don't think to me, you know, Dennis Herb Jr., obviously, you know, I'm a fan, uh, but. To me, he didn't have very good speed weeks. You know, he didn't, you know, Tanner English didn't really have a good speed weeks. But then when I look back through the notes, he made 17 races, but he didn't really have a good speed weeks. A guy like Kyle Bronson, did he have a, think about it, did a guy like Kyle Bronson, here's a debate for you, did he have a good speed weeks or not? He made 18 races. Of course, one or two of them or whatever were via provisional. But he started more speed weeks races than anybody. His average finish wasn't very good, but he's in all these races. So there's a debate for you. How's a guy like Kyle Bronson come out of speed weeks feeling? Does he feel like, well, nobody started more races down there than us? We made, we were in every feature we entered. And I think only three people can say that. I think Tanner English, Kyle Bronson, and Tim McCready are the only guys who can say that they made i might be off one or two but i think those are the only three guys who can say that they made and started every feature they entered well you can't even judge by that because you look at those three tim mccready had a hell of a speed weeks you know then you look at the other two like eh, they were not great but not bad so i just think that it's a long way to get to my answer but i just think that you throw speed weeks out the window you put that truck heading north on the way home you forget it and, and you get ready for for march racing which you know who knows how that can go and then try to be good when you get back to tracks that that you're really comfortable at and you're really familiar with racing at when the when the national tours really get going here uh next month yeah and a guy like jimmy owens he struggled this season other than that you know final Four races at Volusia, historically, he's not very good at speed week. So I think he's calmed down. But Kyle, if you're a guy like, you know, Tanner English, as you mentioned, new race team may not be a big deal long term, but he's probably thinking, man, I had some big expectations here. I was hoping to run very well. And we just didn't. Maybe that just kind of, you know, steamrolls and maybe makes an avalanche that, okay, is he going to be thinking about it more and more? Do you think, like, these guys are just going to hit the reset button and just move on and get ready for March? Yeah. I, there's a one point where Tanner English, I mean, he was fourth in the Lucas Oil points, right? Even though it was only, like, it was after Golden Isles, I think, or after 
one race at Bubba's, like he was fourth in Lucas points and, and just really since then, like the outlaw races for him, like he's 11th in points right now in both series. And, um, you know, just guys like those, like Dennis Herb, right? Like he's ninth in points right now. I'm looking at the, at the standings and 48 points behind Chris Madden. And so, you know, if, uh, you're, I mean, there's, I mean, that's the only way, right. To, to, to move forward is to push the reset button. And, you know, it's, um, you know, like the outlaws, they only have four speed week races that count toward, or, or that four points or just four speed week races. And then, you know, Lucas, they take the top five. So when you're looking at four or five races from a 53, 54, 55, 56 race schedule, you know, I mean, that's less than 10%, you know, of the schedule. So there's still 90 plus percent of races and winnings and, and points to be had out there. And so, um, yeah, it's just, but I will say, you know, things can snowball, right? So it, it's just making sure that, you know, things don't snowball from here because that 48 point deficit from Dennis, Sir, which I'm, I'm sure won't, you know, like if there's anybody that I'm looking at right now on the outlaw tour that, you know, we, we can count on, right. To, to, uh, you know, grind his way and get the most out of every night that he's going to unload it's Dennis. Herb. So, but you know, all, all the others, you know, um, uh, like, Brandon Shepard, he's 22 points out of the lead, only for four races on the Outlaw Tour, you know, it's up to this point. But he's fourth in points. He's 22 points behind Chris Madden. You know, there's no big deal there in his bigger scheme of what he's trying to accomplish this year, points racing on the Outlaw Tour. He's got three top tens in that series and four races. When you put it that way, he's just fine, right? And so... Uh, but from a macro level, sure, right? You know, like things just at some point there needs to be some urgency, and so we're not feeling it that yet after speed weeks. Um, you know, I remember last year I was talking with John Davenport at Alltech before he won that forty thousand dollar or fifty thousand dollar race at Alltech last April. That's when he had been winning lists and hadn't want a race yet we were all talking about what is going on when is it time for for him to get on the heater is it coming what's going on and i remember pulling jonathan that important in his trailer and asking him like hey like all right are you now feeling urgency you know to 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 make something happen this weekend and he told me then you know he he felt like he was equipped to to write the ship and sure enough you know that was the weekend that that uh you know set the course for his his historic year so that was mid-april so i would say urgency for some of these drivers if it continues this you know this way to where you know uh this slower start you know let's revisit that perhaps in april um you know like last year with jonathan Danport, you know so um yeah you know we can talk about it and it's it's our jobs and we have done a great job talking about it, you know, on this show, but um, no panic button just yet. 
really for anybody. Kovac, good or bad? What's one driver that pops out to you? Obviously, other than the guys we talked about most of the show, uh, you've been covering speed weeks in the sport in general for a long time. So I don't think you get too concerned or too overzealous if a guy does well at speed weeks. Uh, so what's a driver that you're like, dang, I think this guy might have a good year. Man, oh man, he needs to pick it up. Well, I'll go for the good year. You mentioned him real quick earlier. I think Max Blair, I, I think that was, a, he had two seconds, I believe, with his top uh, finishes. He was a, you know, a pretty consistent top 10 guy throughout. Uh, and that's going to a new team with Boom Briggs. And I have to imagine that that whole boom it boom had a second place finish too remember in one of those My triple hero. 20s at Volusia right I mean that was a very well received second place finish uh he didn't do as good overall do as well overall as Max's teammate did but you remember last year man that that with Josh Richards was in the second team car with, with boom I mean they started off speed weeks I think it was right in January in practice at Volusia Josh ended up hitting the wall. They had to go back, get another car, and bring it, or bring that car back to Rocket, get fixed. I mean, Josh had a lot. I mean, he, he had his whole – his camper burned down during speed weeks. It was one – it just was a terrible speed weeks for him. Um, and it never really picked up after that. Now he's uh, basically retired. You know, he retired from, you know, full-time racing or whatever. Uh, so uh, I, I think – there's a lot, lot better, a lot more uh, good vibes now this year with how Max Blair started off the season uh, with Boom, and 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 I have to look at that Brandon Shepard as that one where like, I'm sure he's pretty frustrated that he didn't get him. That's a guy who's won 20 Speed Weeks races, all with the Rocket chassis house car uh, since he started. You know, most of them were from since 17, but he also had one back in 14 when that one of his uh, early, you know, three month stint that he had with Rocket. Uh, for that, um, that was a second tour of duty, I guess, with him. Uh, he didn't win at all this year. I mean, he had some decent runs, but really wasn't in, the, didn't lead a lap at all in any of the races. Uh, I mean, for all the talk about when's Hudson O'Neill going to win, Rockets going downhill. I mean, you, yeah, you, you heard that. I mean, there was a lot. I'm sure Mark Richards is probably wondering about this too. Uh, there was so much focus on, on that team, the house car team. Uh, when are they going to win? And then they finally did. Obviously, really broke out at the end. Uh, it, there, there wasn't quite as much towards the driver who used to be in the Rocket House car, Brandon Shepard. Uh, I think that uh, maybe that's just a a, a a picture of like how uh, entrenched the Rocket House car is in in the dirt late model world. Um, you know that 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 was the established team already. Shepard goes to another his uh, Riggs Motors uh, Shepard Riggs Motors racing team, kind of a newly formed team, back to family team, but also with the Riggs uh, with uh, Scott Riggs, and he's got new crew and he's got I mean a lot of there's a lot and then they had a lot they had four cars racing at one point at East Bay when uh, when Steve Shepard Jr. Brandon's father raced that was a lot of stuff going on there, so. Uh, they had a lot of things to learn. So maybe people were like, Oh, well, he's let's give him more time than Hudson had to get a win with the rocket house car. But still you have to look at a, a Shep, Sheppy there and, and, and wonder uh, how long is it going to take him to get that? I mean, he's been in a rocket car for a long time. He's now he's in a longhorn and you know, it's not, it's an overnight, it's not just an overnight thing to get better. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see uh, when, when Shepard, 
gets his gets his groove back, I guess. Yeah, he's sitting fourth in the World of Outlaw standings. Max Blair had a good uh good speed weeks. I think Boom's tickled to death that he's got that fellow uh, PA driver going with him. Uh, what's crazy is Brian Shirley's in second and Kyle Bronson's in third for the World of Outlaw points, which I thought was kind of shocking there. But if you really look back and think of it. Surely had two good nights there, or he had really had four good nights, solid top ten runs, and uh, was in contention for the lead there on uh, on Saturday in the finale. I think he almost got ahead of T-Mac for a little bit. So let's see if those two can maintain it. Let's see if Chris Maddock can hold off the guys chasing him. Then the Lucas Oil side will be very interesting as well as we know. By the end of the season, it will be the top four battling out for big-time money at the Big E for the Dirt Track World Championship. Speed Weeks 2023 is in the books. We can look forward to next year in like 360 days. They'll be coming up, or 300, 300 days roughly. So we can look forward to that. We'll finish the, show, finish the show with one more thing. Kyle, you go first, buddy. Yeah, I'll kind of segue with uh, the Brian Shirley, Kyle Bronson comment. Uh, thanks to Kevin, you know, fed me some audio f- for a story that I'm working on, on, on just, uh, you know, so many guys that had signed up for these national tours. I mean, it's over 30 between the two series, right? And of course, not all of them are going to finish by the end of the year. But Brian Shirley, you know, he was one name that I saw that he had signed up. And he's like, well, you know, is he really going to run the tour? Is he really going to just perhaps see how things shake out after speed weeks and then go from there? But, you know, based off of his comments that he gave Kevin for the story that I'm working on. I mean, he's all in for the outlaws this year. And so um, for him being 14 points behind Chris Madden, even though it's only four races in and it's early in February. Right. Um, I found that interesting that, uh, you know, he's, he is in it this year for the long haul through Charlotte. And so I uh, just found that interesting. And, and so uh, it's uh, good to see somebody like, like him, uh, you know, step out and, and, and to, uh, course this uh, national tour on the outlaws. Yeah. Fun fact. I was texting him on the way home. We both drove overnight back to Illinois uh, from Florida to the lane of Lincoln. So we were texting back and forth. He was uh very tickled to death, how that Bloomquist car ran at Volusia. And like you said, he's ready to run world of outlaws at least is at least for the time being, but he's all in. Like you said, Robert, how about you, buddy? I will, um, I'll just give a, a shout out to, you know, the uh, Sam C. Wright won the Winterfest here at uh, Duck River, my my local racetrack here in Tennessee. Uh, so Speed Weeks wasn't the only racing uh, going on over the over the weekend, I guess. Uh, Duck River snuck in a couple of events. So C. Wright, uh, Sam C. Wright picks up a $5,000 win. And, and you talk about... Uh, the Riggs team and the Shepherd Riggs team, uh, Jason Riggs, who now lives here in Tennessee, actually finished third in that race. Uh, he came from like 10th. Uh, so I think they definitely had some cars fall out, but he was able to pass a few cars and just come from 10th to third for him uh, on a track like Duck River, which in the daytime didn't produce the best racing. Uh, I would say that was pretty good for him, but congrats to Sam. He now has, uh, I think he was runner up to his brother at Boyd's, uh, last month, maybe. So now both of those guys have a, have a victory. So we'll see how those C right guys do moving forward this year. Yeah. Congrats to them on good runs at duck river. Kovac, how about you, buddy? 
Um, I want to mention the one guy that was the, I put him in the superlatives from uh, Volusia as the most notable absence from uh, the Volusia Dirt Car Nationals. That was Daryl Lanigan. I mean, I don't know when the last time, it's, I have to really go back here. I, I have not, I'm not sure exactly when the last time uh, Daryl Lanigan did not run, at least did, did not enter the Dirt Car Nationals at Volusia. I mean, it, it, his website goes back to like 2005. I know he was there in 2004 with the World of Outlaws. I believe he's been there for more than two decades coming to Volusia. So it was unusual not to see the number 29 uh, of, of Daryl Lanigan in the pits uh, during that week. I mean, he's had some good years there too, especially he had some, uh, you know, memorable years. Remember the year that, you know, him and Mark Richards uh, were, weren't getting along oh, and boy. suddenly the, the Daryl Lanigan hauler is in the Gator Pond the next day instead of next. Uh, that was uh, pulled that, that move that, this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't the same exactly. Know, it wasn't like a he went anger thing. Yeah, he did no. move during the middle of the week, but it wasn't like that. That, that the Lanigan one, were like, "Whoa, what happened there? What's Lanigan? Why is he not next to the big blue trailer?" Um, so he's had some good, good. You know, he's had a lot of memories there that he's made, and it was just just unusual not seeing him uh, at Volusia. Yeah, he was uh, missed him dearly at Volusia. He's always had some good runs there. I missed that black twenty nine, one of the sharpest looking late models in all, of all time, in my opinion. Just clean and cut. Always had great, nice equipment. Uh, hope he's enjoying retirement life, and maybe he'll come back and hang out with his buddy Boom Briggs for a couple nights. I hear, I hear though that he might, he might be racing his car a few some few times this year though. So I can see not, that. Uh, I can see him going down. We're, we're, we're not writing him that. off. Yeah, I, oh, I believe never... we might see him at Eldor in some places. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Hopefully we see Daryl back at the racetrack. We miss you, buddy. Um, my one more thing is just be sure to check out uh, the Crew Diary. Episode 4 will be coming out in Flow Racing and Dirt on Dirt.com by the end of the week. Uh, we followed Ricky Thornton Jr. Very good so far. They uh, they really They really like doing it, so we can't thank them enough. So I just want to give them a big-time thank you to Anthony Burroughs, Jayco, David, um, and obviously Ricky Thornton for covering the crew diary for us. They did great. Uh, we had some dramatics at Golden Isles. They finally get the win at uh, Ocala. Then they kind of had some mediocre runs at East Bay. Then they finished strong there at Volusia. He just had a one funny quote. Uh, he's saying, man, we had such good runs and top three podium runs. Of start off speed weeks. We're getting PO'd for still getting top 10 runs at Volusia. So that's where that race team is at right now. But just wanted to give him a shout out. Thank you very much for doing the crew diary and people listening and watching at home. Uh, be sure to check it out on Dirt on Dirt and Flow Racing. Uh, it'll be on later this week, episode four. Well, guys, great uh, episode talking about Speed Weeks 2023. Um, people watching and listening, be sure to check out DirtOnDirt.com and Flow Racing. We'll have plenty of uh, content, stories, notebooks. We had the first top 25 uh, that came out on Tuesday. So, so be sure to check that out. Uh, this is the Dirt Reporters. I'm Derek Kessinger. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next week.